Hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa Montañez, and we are here for Leader Talks. And today's episode is going to be really amazing. Um, so I am one of your hosts, along with my two other co-hosts co and founders and comadres, Rosario Lawrence and Chantal Camarillo. Chantal, Rosario, and I happen to be in the mortgage industry for several decades. And together, we decided to create Leader Talks because this journey came out of the pandemic. And we wanted to go ahead and start the open forum for women and those support women on education, how to enrich and empower other women. Um, so today's topic is gonna to be a continuation of the celebration of Black History Month. But what makes today's segment so special is that we have a mother and son team and there are our guests today. Um, and what I wanna do is celebrate these two incredible leaders. We have an award winner and Hall of Famer, Catherine Willis, and her successful son, Scott Willis, where we're going to celebrate family, education, culture, and love. Um, now, I want the audience to know a disclaimer that I actually know Scott Willis really well. I've had the privilege and the honor to work alongside of him at several companies since 2014, and he has always spoken super highly of his mom, his wife, and his family. And he's just a phenomenal colleague who always goes the extra mile to help his community, um, his family, and more importantly, his professional life. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and get started and uh, shoot the first question to Scott. Scott, can you please do us the honor of introducing who is Catherine, to, Catherine Willis to the audience and also what she means to you? Got it, perfect. Thank you, uh, Vanessa, for that segue. Uh, you know, it was very interesting uh, getting this invitation. So I had to kind of think, you know, real critically about what I was going to say about my, my mother. Uh, but uh, this is here, is here we go. Uh, uh, Catherine Willis is a dedicated community activist who was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. After attending both Spelman College and Kent State University and completing her undergraduate degree in education, she met and eventually married my father, Edward J. Willis, in 1955. She then relocated to Columbus, Ohio with him to pursue a full-time career as a kindergarten educator, uh, successfully raised uh, two grown children, my sister, Dr. Mitnick, to volunteer service in the areas of education, the arts, and family advocacy. As far as some of her volunteer activities, uh, she's a founding member of Friends of Art for Community Enrichment, an organization called FACE, which spearheaded the African Treasure Chest Project for the Martin Luther King Library in Columbus, Ohio, uh, of focusing on, on using art uh, as a tool to, to raise the level of appreciation for students in the broader community about the continent of Africa. For several years, she co-volunteered with my father at the Ohio Wesleyan University Upward Bound Program post-retirement, uh, where she led their community outreach uh, initiative, and, and, and my father was a math and science instructor in the program. Uh, the goal of this program is to increase the graduation rate of high school students from low-income families in which neither parent holds a bachelor's degree uh, to complete secondary education and ultimately enroll and graduate from a post-secondary institution. Uh, she served as an active volunteer and supporter and board member for I Know I Can. Uh, a program that guarantees that graduating Columbus, Ohio City school students with a 2.25 GPA and also 
federal Pell Grant eligible. The students are anyway. Uh, and then in 1987, she was co-founder uh, with the late Thelma Givens for the Lunch Branch, which is the sponsor of the Helen Jenkins Davis Scholarship Fund. Uh, the organization is composed of uh, retired women uh, teachers who have personally donated more than $140,000 to more than 145 African-American graduating, se uh, graduating seniors, excuse me, from the city school system. Um, finally, uh, her most recent endeavor was to create and participate in forming an Urban Strings Youth Orchestra called Urban Strings Columbus, which performs music ranging from classical and gospel to hip hop. Uh, the group started with two youth members in 2007 and, and, and grew to approximately 35 youth string musicians between 11 to 18. Uh, obviously, she's, she's got many uh, uh, recognitions uh, She's received a lot of recognition for this service uh, in the community, but just a few of the ones that jump out to me. Uh, one, she was the Columbus Symphony Music Educator of the Year uh, in 2019. Uh, she won the uh, Jefferson Award for Public Service twice in 1985 and 2015. Uh, of course, she was inducted into the Columbus Hall of Fame by Mayor Andrew Ginther most recently in 2020. Um, and she was uh, also selected as the keeper of the culture uh, by the Sankofa Committee uh, of the, the Columbus Afrocentric Early College Pre-K to 12 Columbus uh, School System Program. So she's a, a plus 50 year member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Uh, she's an alumni member of the uh, Twin, uh, Twin Rivers chapter of the Lynx. Uh, she's a member of St. Philip's Lutheran Church where I was born and raised. Uh, and confirm, uh, and she wants to be remembered as someone who made a difference in the life of a child. That's beautiful. You have a long list of all her accomplishments. And what's the most special that you know about your mom that you want to share? Wow. Um, I, th I think what I'll say about my mom is she's just always been kind of a steadfast uh, counselor and advisor to me, you know, on, on all my decisions, both both inside and outside of education, um, and, and along with my dad, right? Uh, as both the kindergarten teacher and, and my father was a high school principal, you know, I always felt they could discern, even when I was not of age, uh, you know, what was in the best interest of my personal growth. And, and they were very intentional about the people and educational environments that they placed me in, of K through 12, uh, including my decision to apply to attend his Berkeley Black College and University. Uh, so I, I think that's the thing that sticks out to me about my mom is, is just a, a confidant, someone to have the utmost trust in, someone to have the utmost respect for, and uh, uh, maybe, at my best, uh, she she always provides me, you know, you know, counsel and guidance in 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 a constructive and digestible way that allows me to grow and and learn from. That is awesome to hear. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Scott. So nice to see you, by the way. 
And so nice for you to share your mom with us, (laughs) right? It's so nice to have you share your mom (laughs) with us today. Um, So Catherine, by the way, I have to commend you. I am a former Upward Bound kid who attended Upward Bound program in California. (laughs) That's That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you know the value of it, don't you? I do. You're an example of the value. There, there you go. And what I'll have to tell you is we have a couple of viewers who um, consistently, you know, uh, give us feedback and, you know, I, I see them uh, sharing uh, our information and that's Christina Torres and her entire family. They also are upward bound um, attendees. So we all had the opportunity to attend at one point or another. So wonderful. nice, nice awesome. to see all you've accomplished. Um, so with that being said, we do see, um, we see the importance of education as something that is near and dear to you, your family, and the community you've been a part of for, you know, many years. So because we're celebrating Black History Month, and I always say it's, you know, celebrated this month, but it's, it's acknowledged and honored every day. Education is one of the core values that we celebrate, and even as part of Lead Her Talks. Why does this touch a chord so deeply with you? And why has it been a you know, passion for you? I know you're an educator, but why have you continued even into retirement? Well, I know and understand that that is one of the things that's going to make a difference for all of us, uh, especially for the African-American community. Uh, my, my, uh, as I listen to the stories of my parents, I realize that they wanted an education, but it wasn't available to them. My father talked about the fact that um, his father had, had well, he, lived, he, they, he, he and my mother were born in Georgia. And um, during the time when things were really, really uh, segregated. And my grandfather, my father's father had owned a farm and he had been talked into mortgaging his farm to get a second farm. Uh, by one of the, the white farmers. And so he did this. And when he got the second farm, then the bow weevil came along and destroyed the crops on both of the farms and they lost everything. So my father had to drop out of school when he was in the eighth grade. And uh, he wanted to become a surgeon, a doctor, but that never happened for him. So um, he, 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 he had to drop out of school along with his sisters and brothers, and they had to work to help keep the family together. And finally, when he was of age, he decided he was going to migrate, which many, many Black people at that time migrated from the South to the North. They called it the Great Migration. And he migrated to the North, and I think he stopped in Philadelphia, but ended up in Cleveland. And so um, he and my mother were courting, and she um, was uh, a graduate of high school. And at that time, if you were African-American and graduated from high school, then you were qualified to teach in the colored schools. And so she taught in North Carolina, but because um, she and my father were an item, he moved to Cleveland to get a better life and she moved to Cleveland with him. And one of the things that happened was that uh, at the time there was a whole new uh, program going on of housing for uh, urban communities for low income families. And it was called the Outweight Homes. And we were among the first families that moved into this this housing project. And it really turned into uh, what we didn't know it then, but 
what we call now a village where everybody is taking care of everybody else and education was important. And, and most all of the people, all of the parents in that community were people who um, had migrated from the South. And so they were looking for a better way. But all through my growing up and I was there from the kindergarten until I graduated from, high, from college, Everybody knew the importance of education. And, and um, uh, there were several very special people that came out of that quote project. And one of them was, um, oh, Stokes, Carl Stokes and his brother. And Carl Stokes was the first black mayor of a major city. And Carl Stokes grew up in that Althwaite Homes in Cleveland. So because of the fact that we had all of these people surrounding us. And right now, you know, you hear kids talk about, well, I don't want them in my business. Well, everybody was in your business when you lived in the project because it was a village. And, you know, everybody knew what everybody else was doing. And if you were misbehaving and all you had to do was Miss Jones just had to call my mother, not call my mother, tell my mother that I had done something that I wasn't supposed to. And there was no question about, they never asked you whether you did it. They believed what Miss Jones said. And so that was her way of being another mother for you. But that was that whole village concept, which, which I view as very important. Uh, and, and again, it was a place where the, uh, the residents, the, the adults in that setting had not had an opportunity to do what they wanted to do and decided that they would come to a place like Cleveland to see if they couldn't better themselves and make it better for their children and their children's education. So I've always, there's always been a focus wherever I am on education, uh, accepting it, being a part of it and certainly spreading it out. Thank you so much for sharing that, Catherine. So definitely it does take a village, right? To, yes. You know, to say that saying. And, um, but it's also a commitment of altruism. And I think that's something, a, a character trait that you carry with you, you know, and it's a blessing to see that other teachers as well, right? When, when they do educate, especially young adults, I mean, young children, especially, I say kindergarten. For me, it's always yeah. been so impressive. Um, just the roles that kindergarten teachers have played. I see it now in my children and from my personal experience. But um, quick question, Scott, this is your question. Your mom, you know, at the core, she's an educator, but how does yeah. she play a role in your education, but really the significance of graduating from an HBCU, that's a historical black um, college university. And how has all of that influence made you the man that you are personally and professionally? Yeah, that's a, that's a full question, Chantel. Thank you for asking it. So, so just to kind of go back, as I said, I, I think my mom and along with my dad were, were, were just at the heart of a lot of the educational decisions that took place for me personally in my home. Uh, uh, so, so again, they, they, could, they had the ability to discern because they raised me, they knew exactly what I needed, what I needed and more, more importantly, they put me in people and in places uh, where they knew that would, would nurture me and facilitate my growth and development, which included my decision to apply to a historically black college and university. So my, my decision to attend Kentucky State, I wanna shout out to all my KSU thoroughbreds in the audience, uh, was grounded in the fact that one, my entire uh, immediate and extended family either started out or graduated from eight different HBCUs. This is something that's been going on 
through through my my, my dad, uh, his brother, uh, and his sister, and 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 their tree of children, uh, all graduated from HBCUs. Uh, the second thing was it was in close proximity to my hometown, Chantel. You know, I, I was, I, uh, and I'll get to why in a minute. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to go to school uh, near home, but not at home, right? I wanted to have an opportunity to kind of grow, and develop, you know, outside of my, my parents' direct influence a little bit. Uh, I, I love the fact that the, the size of the campus was small. Uh, 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 there are not too many people can say that their, their, their college was smaller than their high school, but mine actually was. Uh, and uh, and not only was it was it uh, larger my high school was, but it was also less diverse, which also was a, a reason why I chose an HBCU. Uh, it had a smaller student to faculty ratio, which I felt like I needed uh, at the time. I think it was like ten to one. So so getting access to to teachers and, and faculty and staff around making sure you were up or you were excelling in your work was an available resource on an HBCU. And finally, it offered an inclusive student experience that celebrated the, riches, the richness of the African-American culture. So I felt that was also, you know, that, that stack of things uh, is what sort of drove me. Um, so, and so a couple other things I would add, uh, I thought the school was composed of committed administrators and faculty that valued my accomplishments and were invested in my success, which you're going to get you may find so uh, you're, you, you're more readily to obtain in a smaller environment. Um, it provided an intimate and challenging academic environment that was built to get the best out of me, which is something that I wanted for myself and I knew my parents wanted as well. And, and, more, and as important is by graduation, I'd become a member of a great fraternal and alumni network for which I maintain a strong connection. And, and to your final question, it gave me strong confidence and belief in my capabilities to excel in any environment, uh, to build resiliency in my character, right? They say tough times don't last, but tough people do, right? So, so I, I got a lot of that uh, at my experience at Kentucky State. I mean, you know, it was the, the, the demographics of, of, of HBCUs tend to be very urban. So, so there, there were kids from Detroit and Chicago, Gary, in, in places simply I hadn't been or hadn't a lot of experience. And so, so being around kids like that and interacting with them and, 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 and vice versa, I think also contributed to my development. And then to my mom's point, just a sense of responsibility to give back to my personal and professional community, uh, which, which I try to bring to everything I do from this point forward. But that, that kind of summarizes, I think, that hopefully answers uh, all three of your, your questions and uh, 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 and, and, what, and what an HBCU did for me as a function of making the decision. It wasn't easy. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, as I said, we had a, had a graduating class of about 3,000 students in my high school, I, about 3,000 total students, 1,000 people in my graduating class. I was one of 12 African-Americans. So wow. that's, that's, that's very small, very different. And my mom was you know, very insistent. I know she'll, she'll say this on making sure I looked at an HBCU as an option for my college, because these are kids I've been going to school with since third grade. So, so the experience was, was, was large and non-diverse for almost nine years. Now the academic product was outstanding, but, but I was also looking for sort of the cultural enrichment piece 
uh, that I knew I could Definitely. find and get at an HBC to kind of round it out. One of the things I wanted to say and add, and, and I'm not sure Scotty knew this, but one of the things that I did is I always tried to talk to people uh, that I knew that could help me um, uh, make good decisions about my children being a minority in a, in, a, in a majority setting. And one of the psychologists said this to me and I will never forget it and I passed this on. She said to me that every African-American child should be in a setting where they are in the majority at some point in their education because that helps kind of ground them. And I see the importance of that. And with both of my children, they both, uh, my daughter started out in a predominantly black setting and then we moved to, to, to the community that we're in and uh, they both were thrown into a setting where they were in the minority. And I could just see that, you know, they were always having to kind of step back. And, and as a result of having attended an Africa, uh, uh, HBCU school and my husband the same, we knew that they had to have that. And, and I know that Scotty's real growth in terms of him being a man and feeling good about himself and 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 sure about the things that he can and 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 will and have have has to have done came from that experience in that uh, in, at Kentucky State. Absolutely, I know that to be true because uh, I hear Scott's voice in my in my head. Sat, I'm an alpha. <laughs> But he's really proud of his brotherhood and that fellowship that he has. And these are lifelong friends that are his intimate circle. So I know that definitely did that for Scott. Myself, personally, for high school, I went to an all-girl high school. And it gave me a voice. And I was competing against other women. So I wasn't not going to raise my hand because it was in the same you know, sex that I was competing with. And it just gave me a lot more leadership skills. I was unafraid right. to voice my opinion. And it gave right. me that confidence that I didn't have when I was right. going um, to a co-ed school. So I know right. that could be true. So I right. agree with you, Catherine. For that. Right, right. Yeah. So my next question is to you, Miss Catherine. How amazing is it to be inducted in the 2020 Columbus Hall of Fame? You are one of five recipients, and I want to congratulate you for that honor. It's amazing. What advice would you give your younger self? knowing what you know today and all that you have accomplished? You know, one of the things that I reflect back on now, and maybe it's because I'm a, a seasoned citizen, <laughs> um, I reflect on the fact that I didn't take advantage of getting more information from the elders and from my grandparents and finding out more about who they were and what they did and, and how they got to this point in spite of. And, and I find myself now uh, thinking about young people and saying to them that no matter what it is that you have got to deal with, remember, and this is very important, you are a descendant of a slave that survived. Isn't that a statement? To be a descendant of a slave that survived. And when you look back and read about the things that the slaves had to endure, and you're a descendant of those kinds of people, then that should help you understand and realize that there's nothing that you can't do. You just have to make a decision to do it because it's in your DNA. And that's what I tell my children. It's in your DNA. You can do whatever you want to. You can accomplish whatever you want to because of that fact. 
That is beautiful. I love that. So my, the next question we have is for Scott. So you have worked with many women, including some of us here today, and you have yes. been raised by an amazing, incredible woman. How would you describe your mom in your eyes as her son, the man, husband, and a leader? Uh, how would you describe her today? Yeah, so as you know, as you guys might imagine, you know, I, I just think the world of my mom, she's truly an amazing woman and role model that continues to pass on so many lessons to me and did so as both a child and, and as an adult. I, I, I would say, as from, this, from the perspective of a son uh, slash man, just she always, again, just sort of patient, nurturing, and, I, and I su I'm assuming that it's coming from her kindergarten background, support over the course of my journey into manhood. Uh, she and my father always gave me information and feedback on my own journey, again, that was constructive and digestible particularly in cases as that where I needed to learn and grow from an experience. You know, you know, uh, I was a good kid. I wasn't a perfect kid, but uh, they, they knew, you know, you know, just what to give me and what to provide me to kind of keep me in line and keep me on, on the, on the path. As a husband, I, I would say my mom, my mom and dad were married for 56 years uh, prior to his passing in 2011. Well, their example as a couple, and how I observed his treatment of my mom and sister is what I what I work to bring to my own marriage now, you know, 20 years in the game. I would simply add that putting and keeping God first is an important compass to the success of a marriage uh, uh, and, and a value I grew up watching my parents practice uh, and as well as my, my wife's parents practice as well. So, so you know, marriage is something that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a faith institution and, and, and to me, you have to be practicing faith and be about faith to realize its, its value and its long-term benefits. And finally, just as, as a lead her, I, I, I just think I wrote down some things that, that kind of describe my mom. You know, a leader is an empowered woman who is transformative, visionary, uh, perseverant, positive, uh, empathetic, uh, and passionate. And more importantly, she brings and shares those experiences with those around her. So, so, so as she's as she's coming up, she's bringing others up with her, uh, which I love and and, and appreciate uh, uh, about her as a leader. So well said, Scott. Most definitely, and what an honor, honestly. Thank you so much, Scott, for sharing Catherine with us for today. And Catherine, this question's for you. We ask all of our leaders this question. And with that, this is so appropriate from one leader to another. What does leader mean to you? It means that um, you need to be willing to reach back and bring someone up with you as you move forward. Uh, tomorrow and 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 uh, tomorrow is um, is not a part of this this segment because you guys will have you it, it will have passed by the time you had you what I'm talking about will have passed but tomorrow I'm getting an award as a keeper of a culture of a, of of the keeper of the culture 
and it has to do with the Sankofa project that they're doing. And Sankofa is, is a philosophy where the bird is looking back as he's moving forward. And so not only is he looking back, but I'm saying that not only do you look back, but you reach back and bring somebody up with you as you move forward. And that's what I think a leader should be about. Very well said. And we hope to do exactly that for our leader viewership. And thank you again, Scott, Catherine, for sharing today with us. And again, congratulations, Catherine, on your induction to the Hall of Fame. And thank so you. with that, we're going to end today's segment, but again, um, like Rosario says, we should be celebrating every day, right? right. Um, what would be Black History Month and acknowledging the accomplishments and contributions that you've played for each and every one of us um, and the significance of that. And so with that, a reminder, February the 25th is our book club this Thursday, the 25th. Don't forget viewerships. Um, from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m., we will have Dr. Lois Frankel discuss why we happen not to get that corner office. So interesting read. Can't wait to connect with her. And we promise next week's Leader Talks is one you do not want to miss. We have a surprise leader um, celebrating what would be Women's History Month. And what? do not forget, yeah, all right, Catherine, I hope you join us <laughs> as well. Right. So do not forget to like us, share our feeds with others, invite more leaders to join our open forum to enrich, educate, and empower more women. So with that, thank you. Stay tuned for next episode and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. This was outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Chantel. Thank you. Vanessa, thanks, Rosario. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. We appreciate so, you.